0: Welcome to the One Life Maps podcast. Here's your host and co-author of Listen to My Life, Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in My Story, Sharon Swing.
1: Greetings. This is Sharon Swing with the One Life Maps podcast. Today, I have our guest, Jason Pfeffer. He's a pastor, teacher, spiritual director, and an evangelist for spiritual disciplines. For over 20 years, he's been helping people follow Jesus in their everyday lives, and he leads the Practice, a practice-based contemplative ministry at Willow Creek Church. Welcome, Jason. We're so glad to have you today.
2: Thank you, Sharon. I'm so glad to be here.
1: Uh, I am I'm, I'm thrilled. I mean, the pre-conversation is always good. Sorry, everybody, <laughs> for not being able to listen in. <laughs> but uh let's start right in with a question about telling us about a time when Jesus' presence was particularly tangible for you
2: yeah um there's a time that re- time very recently that I think comes to mind i've this summer with uh well really with since shelter in place began uh, part of my you know, my whole workout life was kind of upended couldn't go to the gym and you know everything is new and so i've started running i really don't like running at all um but i've begun running and it, so we had a treadmill and then the treadmill broke so now i had to go outside and run which i hate even more because at least on a treadmill i can like watch a movie or something while i run so i have been out running and the way i have been experiencing this is i You know, I run uh, like away from the house and then run back. And I always leave the final hour. I'm sorry, the final mile, excuse me, the final mile of the run. Wow. wow, I know I was (laughs) was just about to make myself sound like a, like a massive runner. I'm not that good of a runner. I I leave the final mile to walk. And, and that is just a time that I'm spending with Jesus. So it is, it's walking prayer, um, it's the kind of practice where I'm just, I imagine that Jesus is walking with me and sometimes we walk in silence. Sometimes there's a conversation, a question that I have that leads to a conversation. And I remember one particular day and it was right in the middle of, you know, probably within the first week or two of uh, George Floyd's murder and there was so much going on in my life outside of that. you have coronavirus you have the 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 unrest in you know around the country and and other things happening that i 'm just feeling incredibly stressed and I, I I finished the run portion of my time and i'm i 'm like transitioning into the walk and there's a, there's a, a mental transition that has to happen in my mind because when I'm running, I'm listening to a podcast and now I've got to, you know, I turn the podcast off and I take my headphones out and I'm beginning to just kind of settle in and, and begin moving more slowly, recognizing that I'm in the presence of Jesus. And, uh, and imagination is a big part of just about any practice of prayer for me. And so I begin to imagine that Jesus is walking next to me and in the moment, Uh, The way I picture Jesus, not intentionally, but just I'm, okay, Jesus is walking next to me. And all of a sudden I see Jesus walking next to me, uh, dressed in like a 1970s jogging outfit, like (laughs) blue and red. They're short shorts. He's got a headband and wristbands on and a tank top. And, and I'm like, this is stupid. Like, stop it. Like, I'm just thinking like my brain is, you know, like my just weird brain is functioning over, over functioning. And so I'm like, stop. I'm like, okay, imagine Jesus is walking with me. Like I try to start over, like I kind of hit the reset button. And again, in my imagination, here is Jesus in this like ridiculous getup walking beside me. And, and I eventually just kind of let it go and just went fine and let, let Jesus look the way Jesus was going to look that morning and continued in the prayer. And it was the following week that I was in spiritual direction and I was talking to my director and she, one of the questions she asked was how I've noticed Jesus being really present with. I mean, it's similar to the question that you just asked, how have you noticed Jesus being present with you in this season? Because I was sharing with her like the pain and the difficulty and everything that I had been experiencing. And, uh, and immediately this moment came to mind and I I honestly hadn't given it a sec. I I had not thought about it since that morning. It had not come back to me until this moment where Dre asked me about experiencing the presence of Jesus. And it became so clear to me in that moment that I'm, I'm just kind of a weird goofy dude. I love, I love just levity and just being silly. And it, and it became really clear as I was talking to my spiritual director that what Jesus was doing in that moment was just giving me a moment of levity in a season that was really, really hard and heavy and full of so much pain and grief and sorrow. And certainly not in a way that's dismissing the pain and the grief, but, but just this, this moment to laugh and, and I couldn't help but walk away from that conversation going, oh my gosh, like that was Jesus showing me that he loves me, to show up in a way that is meaningful to me and knows exactly what I need in that moment. And I just, I walked away like just amazed at, I didn't even, you know, there was nothing in my conscious mind that was saying, I just need a laugh in this moment. But Jesus knew, and that's how He chose to show up. And it's just, I love it. I just, man, I just love the way Jesus just shows up in the in the best possible ways, you know?
1: Yeah, that he's not quite as um, stuffy, <laughs> right? <laughs> Serious yes. all the time as we might we might assume. Yeah. Yeah that is beautiful so there's there's so many questions i want to ask you as in in relationship with this and one is about imagination yeah and spiritual practice so tell me a little bit about how you how you talk about and how you construct the intersection of spiritual practice and imagination
2: yeah yeah i <laughs> That's an important question because a lot of people are really afraid of using imagination in prayer. That um, I think for some people there's a fear that if I'm if I'm imagining something then it's not real uh, that it's me and it's not God. Uh, we're afraid that we might be led astray by our imagination, and I think all of those are really valid concerns. So I don't I don't I certainly don't want to dismiss those, but I do think that God gave us our imagination. And I think that our imagination can be incredibly, not for everybody, we're all wired differently, but our imaginations can be incredibly helpful tools to connect to the presence of God that's already with us. And I think this is kind of a common story. I can't remember where it comes from, so unfortunately I can't attribute it properly. But I remember reading a story, I think it was when I was a youth pastor. And there's this story that talks about a priest that was invited to come in and visit uh, a woman, a parishioner's father who was dying. And so he was maybe on hospice and he's in his home and, and the priest walks into the room. He's never met the man and he sees that there's an empty chair sitting next to the man's bed. And he thinks, oh, he knows I was coming and how thoughtful. And he walks in, and he says something about You know, oh, I, you know, I see you, you were aware that I was coming and you have a chair sit out and he goes like, oh, no, that's not really what that chair is for. But, you know, feel free to sit in it. And, uh, and so he asks him about the chair and the man tells him about a practice of prayer that he's used most of his life where he shared a story of, you know, struggling with prayer, not really knowing how to pray. And then a friend one day suggested that he put an empty chair next to him and imagine that Jesus is in the, in the chair and, and then speak, to the Jesus that's in the chair and, and, and in the story, you know, the man who's talking to the the man who is, who is dying, he says, it's not crazy because Jesus promises to always be with us, right? Like Jesus promised, I will be with you always to the very end of the world. So Jesus promises he'll be with us. So it's not weird to assume or like to imagine he's there because he actually is. And the story goes on that you know the, the the priest was really moved by this, and he continued to come back multiple times to visit the man, and um, and eventually one day he gets a call from from the daughter who says, you know, unfortunately this afternoon my father passed away. She said, but something really strange happened. She said he you know he passed away quietly in the afternoon, but when I walked into his room after he had passed away, I'm feeling emotional as I'm telling the story. <laughs> As when I walked into his room, at some point before he passed away, he moved himself halfway out of his bed so that he could lay his head on the chair beside his bed.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and honestly, that story began my process of using imagination and prayer of just saying, imagining that Jesus is sitting in a chair next to me. Um, and it's continued to develop over the years. There are, there are specific spiritual practices like, um, imaginary prayer or, um,
1: imaginative imaginative
2: prayer. prayer. Thank you. All of a sudden, like my brain went blank. Imaginative prayer, where you enter a gospel story using your imagination. You imagine you're there. Um, and my favorite part of imaginative prayer is, um, most versions of imaginative prayer at, at, at the end of the prayer Jesus will turn to look at you so you experience you know Jesus with Bartimaeus or Jesus with Mary and Martha or Jesus calming the storm and at some point in the prayer Jesus turns and looks at you and that moment of connection as you've lived through this gospel story of connecting with Jesus it's always almost always the most meaningful moment of that prayer for me um, and I even think of going to a sacred retreats, right? That, that Joan, Joan Kelly and Gail Donahue lead. And I think it was walking at one of their retreats and just thinking like at that point, I, I had practiced walking prayer quite a bit, but every time I practiced it, it was literally talking to God, right? I would ask a question. I would listen. And, uh, but this time I'm like, I don't have a question well, I guess it's okay for me to just walk with Jesus. And and I think was one of the first times I'd ever practiced walking prayer specifically in like a silent walking prayer. And it was so meaningful to just walk around the lake at St. Mary of the Lake. Like, I, I don't know how many times I walked around that, like just walking with Jesus. And there's some, I mean, you know, we man, we talk about this all the time with spiritual practices about just, being in the presence of Jesus. And you know, there's nothing special about spiritual practices. There's nothing special about using our imagination in spiritual practices. It's all about helping us to open ourselves to the real presence of Jesus with us in our everyday lives. And so if whatever we're doing helps us to, to do that, to be a, become more aware of Jesus's presence, it's helpful. And, and yeah,
1: I think that that the whole issue about imagination and and people being nervous about it, um, it, it it is this bifurcation about and, and also originates possibly in in the idea of original sin. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm no mm-hmm. good, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. as opposed to this view that that God created humans and He kept saying, you know, He He made creation. It is good. It is good. Is it, it, then He gets to mm-hmm. people and it's very good, yeah. and that's where. It starts, mm-hmm. but I think that original sin um, piece of theology has also tainted that ability for people to to just believe that God loves you, likes you.
2: Yeah. Oh is, yeah.
1: Is there for you? And 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 once we get to the point of being able to open ourselves to the idea that God is with us. Mm-hmm. All the time, everywhere mm-hmm. in us, through us, around us, and and it <clears throat> takes imagination to get there.
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: sure. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it takes unlearning too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And and this idea that w- kind of the scientific approach, even
2: mm-hmm.
1: that you ha- it has to be observable and measurable and yep. and all that that somehow God is bound by those rules that we put in place yeah when we talk about the scientific method so i think there's all different (laughs) kinds of constructs like that um that are pretty useful in some contexts but when it comes to spiritual practice if if i had to lop off my imagination when it comes to spiritual practice (laughs) oh my goodness would i have missed out or what how many things have i have i and do I discount yeah. because they don't make sense?
2: Yeah. Or they're unfamiliar or unusual. Yeah. yeah. And I just think of, and I, I wish I could remember the quote. I think it was Kevin O'Brien who, who says something about this uh, in the Ignatian adventure. But there's this sense of, like, it, it makes sense to be a little bit skeptical if it's something that's new, right? Like we want to be cautious and I can understand that but I would, what I would suggest is try it and and be like enter in fully try it as best you can not to be evaluative as you're engaging a practice using your imagination like just go for a walk and imagine that Jesus is walking with you just take 20 minutes and do that and don't evaluate it while you're doing it your mind will wander. You'll forget that Jesus is walking with you. When, when, when that happens and you realize that your mind has wandered, just, just bring your attention gently back. No shame. Just Okay, yes, I'm walking with Jesus. Imagine him walking beside you. Don't worry about any kind of historical accuracy. Just imagine that Jesus is walking beside you, even if he looks like he's dressed in a weird seventies jogging outfit. Just
1: full with headband?
2: Right. Oh, full, full. I think it was like a red, white, and blue headband too. But just imagine he's walking with you. And then when you're done, that's then you can begin to evaluate. And the way to evaluate it is this are you more peaceful? after that practice? Are you more loving? Are you more joy-filled? Are you more patient? Right? Like the fruit of the Spirit, Mm -hmm. is it producing the fruit of the Spirit in you? And if so, doesn't that mean that God was a part of it? If it's actually producing the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't that mean that the Spirit is at work in the practice?
1: Against these things, there is no law.
2: Mm-hmm, right?
1: Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So that's that's one. Uh, that's so we started with a story about <laughs> about walking with Jesus in a very interesting getup, and somehow I I, I imagine Jesus having just a ton of fun, saying, hmm.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> "This one'll get him." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this will get them today. <laughs> um, this should be fun. Um, but then the other thing is, the question that comes to mind is, what were your early pictures of God that you were handed? And how has your yeah. picture of God changed over time?
2: Yeah. Because he's not
1: always in the jogging suit, right? No, no. Okay, just checking. <laughs> yeah,
2: can I, before, I, so that's a great question, and I'm, I love to answer it, but, something just occurred to me like as we're we're talking i hadn't thought so i really thought of this is me like my typical selfish egocentric way i totally evaluated or experienced that moment of jesus showing up in the weird jogging outfit as as you know for me and jesus showing showing me how loved i am and that like that I never thought about the possibility that Jesus himself actually thought that that was really fun. Oh, <laughs> right. No. Like, and like, and you, you kind of said that Sharon and, and you know, just you kind of said it and kept going. I, I never considered the possibility that Jesus may have actually thought, Oh, this is going to make him laugh. And he, and there was, and that Jesus was joyful in that moment. And what a different, <laughs> like, just what a like, I kind of feel like my mind is blown a little bit thinking about, a Jesus who loves us so much that He finds great joy in those moments. I mean, I, I suppose that's what it's like for God to delight in us. Mm-hmm. Wow! Wow! Thank you for that. That was amazing.
1: I'm so glad. It was. I'm this so feels glad a little bit happened.
2: This feels a little bit like a like a spiritual direction session. Thank you. Well,
1: it, it's good for me too. Oh.
2: So your question is, is how, um, what was my image of, of God early on in life? Is right, that, and which, is that right? what
1: were you handed that you had to sort out?
2: Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think that I was, and this is probably not an uncommon story. I, I think that the God that I was handed was, um, was a God of a lot of shoulds and oughts. Um, you should read your Bible every day, make sure that you're praying every day, go to church. These, these are the important things that God wants us to do. So make sure you're doing it. And I don't know that anyone ever implied um, that it was, a, you know, do this so that, God, so that God will be happy with you. I, I'm sorry, I don't think anyone said it explicitly, but I think it was implied, at least what I received was, if I do these things... God will do good things for me. There was a very transactional nature mm-hmm. uh, to it all for me. So, I, I mean, I even remember thinking that um, good things would happen. Here, here's a weird story. I, um, this is kind of embarrassing. I had my best year of Little League the year that I was baptized. And I thought that there was something to that. I thought that the reason I had my greatest year in little league and was playing travel baseball and all of that was um, because that was the year I got baptized. I mean, it had nothing to do with, you know, being a part of some other things where I was in way better shape because I was running more and others, like it had nothing to do with any of that, but it was because I got baptized. There was this transactional nature. I did something for God. And so God was going to do something for me. Uh, And, and so that I lived under that, for a long time. And, and there's some good, maybe not, there's a necessary part of our journey that is doing things because we're supposed to do them, mm-hmm. right? I think early on, I think to say, no, th- these are some, like, we should be reading scripture. We should be in prayer. These are important things to do. We should be in Christian community. There's a value in that early on in life, that you know I look back, like I I often tell the story about my engagement with scripture that my dad gave me a Bible for my birthday when I was 13. What a what a wonderful birthday gift, Dad, when you're 13. Like that's what I wanted was a Thompson Chain reference Bible. <laughs> but that but that was my gift. And and he said, read it every day. And I mean I I I respected my dad. So I went home and I read every night I would read a chapter before I went to bed and then you know, one night I wouldn't read it, and then I would feel guilty after two or three or four nights of not reading. So that I would read two chapters a night, and then you know do that for a while, and then I would forget, and eventually, like that cycle continued. I would read, and I would forget, and I would stop, and then I would read again, but I read an extra chapter to like make up for it. And eventually, I was reading five chapters a night, and you know I could look back on that and say, oh my gosh, I was doing it because I was supposed to. I was just checking off a, you know, a ch- I was checking my to do list at the end of the day. But the reality is that there's a foundation of scripture that I have in my life because of that season, Mm -hmm. that I feel like I can recognize the voice of God more clearly because I was so grounded in scripture when I was young that I can, it's really easy to say, well, that sounds like something God would say from scripture or Mm -hmm. I doesn't really, that sounds more like something the false prophets would say in the old Testament. And so you can, I could begin to discern things. So there's, there's some value in there, but for sure, over time, I've continued to just grow in this awareness of it's not about, and again, I think that there's, this is a, you know, stages of faith thing. I think as we continue to grow and mature and follow Jesus, we will become, we will begin to realize how much more important it is to be with Jesus than it is to do things for Jesus.
1: You know, and I think getting back to that a little bit, and when we look at what we think, um, how the gospel is presented to us sometimes is Mm -hmm. also um, a bit transactional.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So
1: so we can extrapolate that as well Mm -hmm. to other things. Okay, I give my life to God and he gives me. So there's a transaction that happens there, Mm -hmm. not untrue, but yet there's a piece of that, that, um, I've come to look at it as more that, that I'm, 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 I'm accepting an invitation to follow Jesus Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and to, to live in his ways, but I can't live outside of God's presence because God's presence is everywhere. And so the changes, it changes the picture because um, it's almost like we have told the gospel story with, with, a, with a stark contrast in a way that then bleeds into some other ways. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yes, but it's, it's a little bit more nuanced than mm-hmm. this. And, and when discipleship looks one way, like, okay, you need to read your Bible every night, yeah. Or whatever else. Not bad things. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Not bad things. But yet this we we get this idea that this is how God operates. Mm-hmm. I do this. Yeah. Then God will do this. And those things lead us to really hard places when things don't turn out the way they we we think they should.
2: Yeah. And I you know, what occurs to me is the the difference I think is is um do we what do we think the point of the journey is? Mm-hmm. Is the point to go to heaven when we die, or is the point what Paul talks about and being formed in Christ likeness? Is it what Jesus talked about living in the kingdom of God? What, what is the, the point? I think we've where we've fallen short is. We preach a gospel of going to heaven when we die, which in my experience means, do you believe that you're a sinner? We may have to convince you that you're a sinner, so we get some heavy-handed shame uh, teaching that goes on. And, and do you think that you can handle this on your own? No, of course you can't. So Jesus died for you, and if you, and if you believe in him and say a prayer, now you can go to heaven. When you die, and and at that point, that's the way we tell it, the we're trained to tell the story, right? right? And, but when when the end is going to heaven when you die, what's the point of this life? And people have had like, there are lots of then conversations about well, well now this is our place to now well we we this life is about continuing to tell others so that we can make sure other people go to heaven when they know. I mean, okay, I mean, the Great Commission is a thing. Jesus told us to go into the world and make disciples, but, oh, wait a minute, that's what Jesus told us to go and do. Mm-hmm. Make disciples, not make believers, not make people who will go to heaven when they die. And what's a disciple? It's a student. I mean, Dallas Willard would, would uh, translate anything with disciple, apprentice, it's to be an apprentice, Of Jesus to learn from Jesus and that's 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 the the way that I do it yes oh yes yeah the Eugene Peterson paraphrase right of Matthew Mm -hmm. that walk with me work with me watch how I do it yes Mm -hmm. oh yeah and and when that to me I think one of the challenges we have as a church in this in this era or this culture this season is is that I don't think going to heaven when we die is something that that is particularly compelling to people right now. But I think what is compelling to people is an invitation to a kind of life. An invitation, yes. yeah, an invitation to a life with Jesus. And and what is that? It's, you know, we can go back to the fruit of the spirit. It is, it's a life of
1: love. Yeah, and and I think right now with with how society has changed its ideas, it used to be that everybody pretty much agreed that there's a heaven and a hell. Mm -hmm,
2: And now mm -hmm. there's
1: not so much agreement. Right. And so even in the
2: church, there's not agreement now. Exactly. Well, which is, is I say now that's not, yeah, but yeah.
1: Yeah. And there hasn't been for a long time, but that conversation (laughs) has been renewed in some, in some interesting ways. And this idea that, um, that hell avoidance is the motivation,
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: I think is, is, is not something that is, is going to be attractive to people. But what you're talking about in terms of, would you like to be invited into a way of life where the mm-hmm. giver of life resides in you and you can recognize him yeah. around you and you can be in step with this love that yeah. is the creator of the universe.
2: Mm-hmm. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? come to me, get away with me, watch how I do it. And I'll show you how to take a, re- have a real rest. I'm totally butchering, yes. but, no, but that's right. right. Oh, good, it. good. <laughs> I was afraid I mixed up some parts of the phrase, but that's that invitation to get away with Jesus and have a life of peace and joy and love and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control.
1: Is this what the world needs now? I could break out the song right now.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And 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 what is and what does that mean? Like it, that's the kingdom, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Jesus, Jesus didn't ask anyone to believe in him. He asked people to follow him. Over and over, that is his invitation: come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He stops at Matthew. You know, when when Levi is in his tax collecting booth and says follow me. To the rich young ruler, he says, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then follow me. It's over and over and over. The invitation is follow me. And that invitation means exactly what, you know, Peterson translates that passage as, get away with me, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. It's walking with Jesus in such a way that he begins to rub off on us. Mm -hmm. Like, I, there's a story that I tell about when I was in a senior in high school, and I went to a church camp in Paducah, Kentucky, and I spent a lot of time with the youth group from Paducah. And when I came home, I had a Southern accent. Like I, I said, y'all more than a dude from Northern Illinois should. And I kind of talked with just a little bit of a Southern accent. And, and it wasn't intentional. Like, I didn't, I didn't think like, oh, they talk cool. Like, I'm going to try and do that. Like, it just sort of rubbed off on me. And isn't that the invitation of Jesus? Spend so much time with me that my character rubs off on you. And isn't that how we are formed in Christ-likeness?
1: Yeah, how true it is. How true it is. Okay, we've covered some good ground. I so <laughs> appreciate this conversation. So appreciate it. You have, uh, you have brightened my day in many ways. And I know that the people that listen uh, to this conversation'll we'll also be blessed, okay, so jason Pfeffer he's the director uh, pastor of the practice community at Willow Creek Community Church. You meet where how can people join in because now you 're going to be virtual yeah again all, all in this next season, so how can people mm-hmm. join you?
2: We meet on uh, Sunday nights at six p m and you can find us. Uh, our website is uh, practicetribe.com. So it's just spelled like practicetribe.com. Nothing crazy or weird in the spelling. Um, we're on Facebook as well, and we have a, a YouTube page. And that's that's how we uh, that's how we engage in our gatherings and our worship together on Sunday nights at six o'clock uh, on either our Facebook page or on YouTube. And we premiere those at six p.m. six p.m. Central. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, I mean I, it's it's virtual, which is just it's hard. I don't like virtual church. It's I mean church is supposed to be embodied. So I just feel it just feels very difficult, but um it's, it's the, the times right times we're in. Right. And it's 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 absolutely the right thing to do. And and certainly in our experience of doing this now for what has it been 5 or 6 months, you know, God is certainly still with us. God is still moving and and in a part of our gatherings, but yeah, so tra- practice tribe.com or practice tribe, uh, the YouTube page or Facebook page.
1: Okay, we'll put it all in the show notes, yeah. But we got to back up a second before we close. Tell people because people that know Willow Creek might be thinking of the big mega church, big stage <laughs> lights, music, mm-hmm, everything, mm-hmm. and and the practice tribe is the practice is. Um, is a part of, of, of Willow Creek, but it's very distinct. Can you describe what the practice is and why it was created?
2: Yeah. Well, I'll say, you know, you think of Willow and you think of high production value and and I suppose I should, I should say, if you're going to tune into a practice gathering on a Sunday night, just be aware that, that we have, we have two people on staff, so we don't exactly have the same high production value. We do our best to make it a high quality, but um, the practice itself is, yeah, it's very different than what you would experience on a Sunday morning at Willow. Um, you know, the language that, that Aaron Equist, who started the practice, the language he used was practice-based. Um, and I think that that's the real distinct uh, uh, piece of the practice, that what really makes it different from Willow is that it is practice-based. Uh, and basically what we mean by that is that we always allow the teaching to lead us into a spiritual practice that we practice together that night. So there's, um, we understand that we that teaching is important so we 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 almost always have teaching but that teaching teaching itself is not formational that engages our heads which is wonderful and is a part of our body so we should engage our heads um, but we want to we want to engage more than just our heads we want to engage our hearts and we want to engage our bodies and so we will, in, uh, we'll practice a spiritual practice together and it's always connected to the teachings. So we, you know, do a teaching and say, what is a practice that will basically, what practice will help us become the kinds of people who can do the things that Jesus taught us to do? And, and how do
1: people actually, uh, I'm sorry,
2: no, uh, access please. the archives? oh yeah I mean, if you go to practice you can you can access the the history of everything there uh, as well as the the YouTube where we just we didn't have a YouTube channel before we uh, went into shelter in place but uh, we've been putting individual practices out as well um, and we also share a, a daily a daily daily office which is a guided prayer for the morning midday and evening and we put a new one out every week to um, continue to soak in scripture and silence and prayer together all of that content and old teaching you can find that on the website we also have uh we certainly we have a podcast So you can wherever you get podcasts you can search for probably the easiest thing is search for the practice willow creek and and it'll pop up
1: very good jason thank you so much for joining us many blessings to you oh. and your family <laughs>
2: Thank you. Yeah, they didn't show up in this, in this conversation. I was a little worried we were going to get a, a visitor, but
1: they, they might have. It might have happened. So,
2: <laughs> without us knowing, that's true. That's possible. Well, thank you, Sharon. This is, this is a lot of fun. I really appreciate the invitation.
1: Oh, thanks so much. Now, everyone, um, please rate, review, subscribe, share all that stuff of this podcast because we want uh, this conversation as well as the word of the practice to spread. So thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today, and many blessings to all of you.
0: This podcast is sponsored by OneLifeMaps.com, creators of unique visual life mapping materials titled Listen to My Life, maps for recognizing and responding to God in my story. Go to OneLifeMaps.com to purchase your Listen to My Life portfolio of visual life maps. While you're there, check out our upcoming virtual coaching groups, live workshops, and options for you to facilitate the Listen to My Life experience with others. That's onelifemaps.com. O-N-E-L-I-F-E-M-A-P-S.com. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. You can help support this podcast and the work of One Life Maps by supporting us on Patreon. Go to www.patreon.com slash maps to pledge $5 or more per month and get weekly audio meditations to help you recognize and respond to God in your story. Thank you for tuning in to the One Life Maps podcast. Until next time, make the most of this one life that you've been gifted.